Trigger warning. The following podcast may contain sensitive material. Sexual violence, sexual assault, and abuse are among the topics mentioned on Dear Me, You Survived. Please keep your mental health in mind before listening and know there are resources out there to help you cope. It's been a minute, but I am back. I've honestly already recorded all of this. I recorded it at the end of September, but I was not happy with it, so I never published it. And then I kind of fell off for a little bit. I went through a really low emotional state for about a month, and then when I started coming out of it, our family Frenchie died, so we've kind of been dealing with that. One of my kids is taking it really hard. I took it really hard. He was my first Frenchie. So we're still sad, but we're coming out of it. And then it rained and I got rejuvenated. I'm feeling good. I got home early today. It's the start of a long weekend. So here I am ready to record again, hoping to maybe stay consistent. We will see. The funny thing about trauma is it brings a lot of ups and downs with your emotions and you cannot control them. You cannot determine why you're down. You cannot determine why you're up. So it controls you a little bit and that's okay because we're going to work through it and Hopefully, maybe one day we'll get control of it. I don't know. But on to the good stuff. So what prompted me for the idea for this episode was someone asking me, would your experience be considered child sexual abuse if it didn't happen continuously? Basically, like, was it an abusive action if I've only had two experiences with this individual who happens to be my biological father? And the answer is yes. Even if it happened one time as child sexual abuse, even though it wasn't violent it's considered child sexual abuse. Even if he never physically touched me and just exposed himself to me, that is child sexual abuse. An adult using their power to sexually stimulate themselves from a child, whether it be physical or non-physical, but sexual, is abuse in a sexual manner. For this episode, I wanted to talk about the victims and what happens to them after this happens. We want to bring attention on news to the predator and how much time he got and the other things that he's done, which is good. We should bring awareness to that. 
but we should also bring awareness to the long-term effects that this causes children as well as adults, children going into adulthood. Um, this experience doesn't just form a memory, completely morphs your whole entire life. And that needs to be talked about. It's not talked about enough. They don't talk about how when children grow up and become adults, that these adults want to kill themselves because they want to just stop thinking about what happened. They want to get into drugs, get into alcohol. They want to drown out their memories of this. They want to just feel normal. And I don't know about other victims, but I've never felt normal. I wish one day I can feel normal. Child sexual abuse is considered an adverse childhood experience. And what the CDC defines as an adverse childhood experience is a potentially traumatic event that occurs in childhood between the ages of 0 and 17. Experiences like this are linked to chronic health problems, mental illness, and substance abuse problems throughout the duration of a victim's life. Women and several racial ethnic minority groups are at a greater risk of experiencing ACE. However, no one is immune to this risk. These numbers likely underestimate the true impact of the problem due to unreported abuse, but it is recorded that one in four girls and one in 13 boys experience child sexual abuse. That number is too high. Why are we not talking about this more? Why is this not talked about in schools to prevent it from happening? Because the consequences of this are life-changing, not in a good way. Children growing up with toxic stress may have difficulty forming healthy, stable relationships. This can negatively affect children's brain development, immune systems, and stress response systems. These changes can affect children's attention, decision-making, and learning. It can have lasting negative effects on health, well-being, and life opportunities, such as edu education and job potential. It can increase the risk of injury, sexually transmitted diseases, teen pregnancy, involvement in sex trafficking, 
heart disease, and many other chronic diseases. It can result in behavioral consequences such as substance abuse, risky sexual behaviors, risk of suicide, and also the risk of perpetration for sexual violence. That's the victim becoming the predator. So all of these possible outcomes of a victim. And we get asked, when are you going to get over this? When are you going to move past this? When are you going to stop letting this affect your life? The answer is never. This trauma has literally shaped who we are as a person. Everything we are now has been built around that trauma we experienced as a young child. Abuse is not something that can be healed. It is something we must learn how to live with. No, it doesn't define who we are, but it will always be a part of us. I think the first step to attempting to fix this problem is recognizing that adults are responsible for ensuring that children have safe environments, safe relationships, and stable, nurturing people around them. If we are parents, if we are guardians, aunts, uncles, anyone in the care of a child, it is our responsibility to make sure that they're safe. Yes, ultimately, the predator is the one who committed the act. But we have to start taking responsibility for allowing our children to be in that position in the first place. I know we can't control everything. Like in my case, allowing me to go visit with my dad. You know, that's, first of all, court ordered. Second of all, that's my parent. So, you know, that's expected. But in situations where you're allowing a child to go with a grown man to the store or to a sports game or letting your kid spend the night at their friend's house and their friend only lives with their dad. We have to second guess. We have to check in constantly because we have to protect our children. And I'm not sexist against men, but a very high percentage of predators are men. Yes, there are women too. And I would say, look out for the women as well. 
Really look out for everybody. Watch everybody. I watch everybody around my kids. I watch how they interact with my kids. I watch the type of relationship they try to build with my kids. And if it makes me the slightest bit uncomfortable, I no longer allow my kids around them. That's our job as a parent to make sure who we have our children around are safe for them. We can also become educated on a child predator's tactics that they use to obtain their victims. The most effective tactic that predators use is the process of grooming. If you've never heard of grooming, grooming is the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting with the intention of committing a sexual offense. There are seven steps to grooming. One, identifying and targeting the victim. Two, gaining the trust and access to the victim. Three, playing a role in the child's life. Four, isolating the child. Five, creating secrecy around the relationship. Six, initiating sexual contact. Seven, controlling the relationship. Predators usually have a preference. Every predator has their preference. It can be an age group. It can be a gender. But it varies from predator to predator. Aside with grooming, they can use tactics such as fear, isolation, silence, and power. So don't think that your child ages out of being victimized or they're not old enough to be victimized because every predator has their own preference. You got to watch everyone. Predators identify victims that seem vulnerable. They usually have low self-esteem. They're very obedient and compliant. They sometimes would have mental disabilities or uninvolved parents. The less trouble that's going to come their way from that child's family, the better for them. Because let me tell you, 91% of victims are sexually abused by someone they know. A family friend, a family member, a teacher, a doctor, or someone else they trust. Know what to look for. An adult who engages in abnormal amounts of physical contact, such as wrestling or tickling, it, may, it might seem innocent, 
but you can never be too sure. An adult who enjoys the company of children more than the company of adults. Um, An adult who creates special bonds with children. An adult who volunteers for anything and everything involving children. I mean, I'm a soccer coach, so I volunteered to be involved with children. But my son plays soccer. My daughter plays soccer. And they needed a coach or they weren't going to be able to play, so I volunteered. But when it comes to people that go above and beyond to just be involved with these children and be around these children especially when they don't have children of their own. Mm, That's something to look into, I would think. Not for every case, but even if it takes you paying attention just a little bit more to the relationships that they create with these children or the type of contact that they have with these children, you know, you can save a child. So just be on the lookout. And also an adult who has very few friends of their own, but is always trying to have children be their friend. That is off. Why are you creating friendships with children and you can't create friendships with adults? The signs of predatory behavior are being in close contact with children, creating emotional dependency, using manipulative behavior and language, pushing physical and sexual boundaries, and jealous and controlling behavior. I'll give you an example of pushing a physical boundary. As you know, when I was younger, I used to visit my dad in Nevada. And sometimes, as a family, we would go to the casino because my stepmom liked to gamble, um, as well as her mom. And sometimes we would have lunch there, and me and my sister would get to play in the arcade. So I remember one occasion when we were gathered in a group, and the adults were talking about what we were going to do, and we decided we were going to go eat. So we're all walking through the casino to the buffet, And um, me and my dad are walking in the back. And for some reason, he gets his thumb and hangs his thumb on the back loop of my jean pants. So as I'm walking, his hand's hanging from my pants and his hand is bouncing with my body, obviously on my butt. It's the back loop of my jeans. So I'm feeling extremely uncomfortable. I'm trying to walk faster than he can to get away from him. But I can't outwalk him. His legs are twice as long as mine. That is pushing a physical boundary. Obviously, you're doing it because we're behind everyone else in the family for them not to see. 
And obviously you're thinking that everybody around us that's not our family isn't going to say anything. Because who would? That's not an obvious sign of inappropriate behavior. It's weird. It made me feel weird. Made me feel uncomfortable. Embarrassed. I was terrified to think that somebody would come up to us and say, Hey, sir, why are you hanging your hand on the back loop of your daughter's pants? But who's going to do that in reality? Not many people. I shoot dirty looks. When I see men doing cringy stuff, making me uncomfortable, or I'm feeling secondhand uncomfortable for the next person, I give looks. I give stares. So they know. Somebody's watching. And somebody can see right through you and see what you're doing. But if you can't just take my word for it, a few weeks ago, my sister tagged me in a video so that I can see it and add it to this podcast. The, the video was from Dr. Nadia Talks on TikTok. And basically, she's interviewing this pedophile asking him how he chooses his victims, how he can obtain his victims, how he can feel confident in the victim that he chooses that what they do would remain a secret. And I have this video for you right here. How did you get them alone? Grooming. Um... I would check out their family situation. I would check out their clothing to see how well they were, you know, financially. I would check out their social interaction with other kids. You know, when we were on the ballparks or on the, on the gym floor, you know, I would make sure which ones I wanted to molest. I would give them special attention congratulate them, talk to them when I know that I would never be allowed to talk to anybody else, you know, aside from everybody, I would give them the attention that a, an official is not supposed to give anybody. And it made them feel like, wow, he's paying me attention. You know, it, it is a direct form of grooming. Were there certain characteristics that you look for in children before molesting them? In children, yes, but more I also looked at their families. If I thought the father was a threat, I would not approach the child. If I thought that the child had friends that he would tell, I would not approach him. If I thought the child had friends that were in the same capacity he was, I would approach him for the simple fact that if I could molest him, I could lure him into believing, grooming him into believing that he would enjoy it. And therefore, I could manipulate him into having his other friends come and be molested by me as well. So perhaps a, a, a child that doesn't really have a whole lot of friends, maybe not really a strong family, things like that. Yes, no spiritual values. Um, 
weak in education, you know, needs help in many ways. Um, even from uh, split parenting, you know, has a mother who may be having problems with the family, you know, well, here comes superhero and to help out, you know, wow, well, thank you very much. No problem. You ever need me to take him away for the night so you can have a night out? No problem. It works. Listening to this interview reminds me of a lot of an experience that I've had of my own. So for my career, I work in delivery. We'll just say that. And I had a customer, an elderly man. And when I first started my delivery route, he seemed like, you know, a nice old man, maybe grandpa type of vibe. Um, and then it started getting a little bit more personal. Like, you know, he would want to make me lunch or give me Gatorades every day, which I appreciate personally. But then it became like a stalking type of situation. And there was a few times where he said, hey, I want to take you and your kids to Disneyland. We had had conversations before and he knew that I was a single mother of three children. And, you know, I, I was like, wow, he wants to take me and my kids to Disneyland. Like, it seems nice. But me being a victim, I always have it in the back of my mind. Like, what's your ulterior motive? So, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to take you guys to Disneyland. I'll pay the way. This and that. There was another time when he said, hey, I want to take you and your kids to an Angels game. I'll pay. So it may seem nice. But I think that would be the beginning step. You go with your kids to this angel game. While you're there, maybe he tries to say, hey, I'm going to take the kids to go get a hot dog or a drink. And that's where they begin to create that secrecy. And then I think it just goes from there. Trying to do things alone with the child. So you even have to be careful in the beginning before it even gets to the step where they're alone with the child, where it's like, hey, I want to take you and your kids to Disneyland. It might, it might seem nice. You might want to go. But I think the best answer would be no thank you. Because you don't know what that man is capable of. And then come to find out later when I um, downloaded one of these background check applications for other reasons. But I happened to look up that customer's name because he seemed a little creepy and I wanted to know his background. And yes, he was a convicted sex offender for lewd acts with a child. Had I not been a victim before, I might have said, heck yeah, take me and my kids to Disneyland. So my intention 
with all of this information that I'm including in this episode is to bring awareness, to prevent more children from being victimized. I used to think like, damn, does my personality attract these weird predators? But then knowing the statistics of these cases, how they happen in one in four girls, one in 13 boys reported, it occurred to me that there's just that many sick people in this world. It's not that my personality, I mean, it could be that my personality attracts them. I always try to be nice to everybody. So it could be either or. My personality attracts them, but there's also a whole lot of them out there. And us knowing the signs of these predators, knowing what they look for, knowing their personality traits, we can open our eyes just a little bit more. We need to become safe adults for all children. Get involved with your children's sports. Get involved with your children's school. Because one, that makes your child happy. And two, it allows you to be around children who may not have a voice. And you can be that voice for them if you see something that makes you uncomfortable. If you see something that is off between an adult and a child. And with that, I will conclude this episode. I wanted to throw a little something out. I know it's not a long episode. It's pretty short. But I don't want you guys to forget about me. I don't want to slow my progress on my long-term goal. So please bear with me. Please stay with me. I would like to touch more on this subject in the future. But I'm right now I'm working on bringing you guys some cases to talk about that revolve around this subject. And if you would like your own story to be heard, you can email me, chelseamark3191 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at survival stories. I'm open to critiquing. I'm open to feedback. I'm open to suggestions. Feel free. Tell me what you want to hear. Also, apologies for my zoo that I have in the back. They don't respect the fact that mama is recording. So thank you for listening. And I hope you continue to listen in the future. If you or someone you know may be experiencing sexual assault, please contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-4673. Or you can chat online at online.rain.org. That's online, 
dot r a i n n dot org.